0: Welcome to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with my brother Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, we covered the elections in Israel pre and post. And now
1: today I want to cover what happens in America as we move forward. That's right, Jimmy. We held elections this week, midterm elections, no presidential election, but there was much to talk about as we look at the state of politics in the United States and where we are headed as a country. But, you know, Jimmy, there's been elections all over the world recently, not only in Israel, not only in the United States, but I know Brazil just recently elected new leadership and Great Britain just had a change in prime minister. So so many different world leaders. What do we know, Jimmy? We know that God has it all in control. God has a plan moving forward. We are part of human government because God did institute human government, and so we follow these things. But the other reason, often on this show, the reason we look at these things is because God is moving these political leaders into place, essentially setting up his end-time prophetic scenario. He sure does. He uses world leaders to accomplish
0: his will. And that's what we always have to keep in mind as we are looking at why the world is acting as it is. And that's what we're going to do today, examining the European Union, the East, uh, Russia, Iran, China, what they're all doing as it pertains to the prophetic aspect in the future. We're going to do that. We'll start the program out today, as always, with our good friend, Ken Timmerman.
1: Ken Timmerman joins us. He's the one that we use to look at political events taking place around the world and certainly many things going on. Ken is an author. He's an analyst. You can find out more about him by going to Ken dot com. Ken, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me on, Rick. It's always a pleasure. Well, Ken,
1: the big news this week was Russia retreating in Ukraine. Can you tell us about this? Is this a mirage or something taking place here?
2: No, this is a big defeat, a major defeat for the Russians. Kherson was the city that they took in February. It was the only major Ukrainian city that they actually succeeded in occupying completely. And now they're pulling out. They're pulling out because they say it's untenable uh, and they are losing too many soldiers there. You know, General Mark Milley, the chairman of the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff, said this week that Each side in the Russia-Ukraine conflict has lost 100,000 soldiers killed and wounded. That's enormous. It's an enormous amount of casualties. Now, we don't know what the ratio is of killed to wounded, but still, Rick, that's just just tremendous casualties on both sides. Obviously, Ukraine has a smaller population than Russia, so it's uh, overweight on the Ukrainian side. But look, with U.S. help, The Ukrainian military is pushing the Russians back. We don't know how far they're going to get pushed back, but they are definitely on the offensive. The other important thing to note about Kyrgyzstan is that it was part of this territory of these territories that the Russians annexed just weeks ago, saying they were forever Russia. Well, it looks now like forever was just a matter of weeks.
1: There was a report coming out this week that this war could potentially be a dress rehearsal for a larger, more expanded conflict that may involve nuclear weapons.
2: Well, Rick, what's extremely disturbing here is to see the increasing reliance of both Russia and China on nuclear weapons, not just conventional weapons, but nuclear weapons as Mm warfighting weapons. Mm -hmm. The head of U.S. Strategic Command, Admiral Charles Richard, gave an absolutely extraordinary speech, an apocalyptic speech over this past week. I was quite disturbed when I heard about this. It was a public speech to the uh, Navy Submarine League's 2022 annual symposium. And he said this, this Ukraine crisis that we're in now, it is just the warm up. Hmm. The big one is coming. Now, look, Uh, I I can remember the 1960s growing up during the Cuban Missile Crisis when the big one seemed to be around the corner. We were told to duck and cover uh, since Russia had deployed nuclear-tipped missiles in Cuba just 90 miles off the U.S. coast. And for a, a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the head of the U.S. Strategic Command, this is the man in charge of virtually all of U.S. nuclear weapons, to tell us that the big one is coming without telling us exactly how or why or where the danger is, I think is extremely irresponsible. Uh, Now, that said, he also made some very important statements uh, about the lack of US modernization of our nuclear triad. And he said both the Russians and the Chinese are outpacing us in nuclear modernization. We are not keeping up. And he said this itself is a problem that we're going to have in the future. But this whole notion that we are facing a nuclear war with Russia and or China, uh, I think, is is extremely irresponsible to be discuss- discussed like this in public, unless, of course, we're actually there. Then we're all in big trouble.
1: We certainly are, if that is the case. Well, situations like this are, I would believe, why we have summits like the G20 summit that's coming up, an opportunity for world leaders to get together to talk to resolve differences in boardrooms instead of battlefields. G20 summit is coming up. Can you tell us what the G20 summit is all about? And maybe some of the the things that are going to take place while that goes on?
2: Well, two important th- things will happen. Biden will meet with President Xi, who hasn't really met with world leaders much recently because of COVID. And nobody will meet with President Putin because he's going to stay home. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have the, the hot war going on between the US and Russia in Ukraine. Uh, that will discussed by underlings. And the Cold War between the U.S. and China over Taiwan will be discussed by the principals, by the presidents on both sides. Now, again, the war uh, of rhetoric between the U.S. and China is heating up dramatically. Just this week, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, who we learned had actually met with his Russian counterparts recently in secret to try to tamp down the, this talk of a nuclear war or the use of nuclear weapons by Russia in Ukraine, Jake Sullivan said publicly uh, this week that he was going to brief Taiwan's leaders of the talks between Biden and President Xi at the G20 summit. Well, you would think that would be a normal thing, but it's not. The Chinese went absolutely ballistic when they heard that. Mm. And they said this violates all U.S. commitments to only deal with Taiwan in back channel ways and not directly. And essentially, the Chinese threatened the US because they were going to brief Taiwan. This, to me, suggests a growing, not just belligerency on the part of the Chinese, that's obvious, but also a confidence that they can get away with this type of belligerency and the US will do nothing. I've said here, and you may recall this, Rick, that my fear in the Biden Xi meeting is that President Xi will remind the U.S. president that he's got some leverage over him. Uh, That leverage is his full knowledge of the corruption of Hunter Biden, the president's son. Uh, Will he dangle that in front of Joe Biden at this summit? I would be hard pressed to say no.
1: Very interesting, well, you look at China and their growing influence, and then russia, although they 're seemingly losing in ukraine they 're still superpower as far as uh, nuclear weapons and oil goes, and then their relationship the the alliance with Iran and other nations there they 're being driven together by world events and things that are taking place as President biden and this maybe speaks to what you just said. As President Biden goes to this meeting, and we've talked at great length about his capabilities, how confident are you that he's going to navigate these very dangerous waters successfully?
2: Well, um, I'm, I'm worried about it. And I can tell you I'm also worried that he will just be physically exhausted. He stopped in Egypt on Friday from Egypt. Then he's flying to Bali. I mean, he's flying all the way across the world for the G20 summit. And Biden, is, he's a guy who likes to take his naps, and uh, he does not like to have events in the evening. He gets tired very easily. I'm really worried about his physical stamina mm-hmm. in these meetings. Uh, and I think it's extremely important that a U.S. president give an impression of strength. And we have not seen that from President Biden and an impression of weakness. It's provocative, and it provokes the bullies to take advantage of you.
1: Well, one of the things that he will have to deal with and the world will have to deal with is the fact that Iran is, as we've talked about many times, seeking to become a nuclear power, and now they're working on a hypersonic ballistic missile.
2: You had the head of the Revolutionary Guards this week announced that they had successfully developed a hypersonic nuclear-capable missile. This would be one able to evade U.S. and Israeli air defense or missile interception systems. I would call this hypersonic hype, Rick. We have seen, that I'm aware of, we have not seen any tests of such a missile by the Iranians ever. Uh, we we have not seen them purchasing the equipment to make a hypersonic missile, uh, but it sure does sound threatening, doesn't it? What we do know is that they tested another space launch uh, system, a new missile to launch satellites into space this week. Now, this has got to be about the 28th Iranian space launch system is called the Gaim-100. Uh, the Iranians have really been having a lot of problems with these multi-stage rockets. The staging doesn't work properly. Uh, the uh, rockets explode. They don't go where they're supposed to go. They don't reach as high as they're supposed to reach. Uh, they can't carry the payload. Uh, you know, rocket science is rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> and the Iranians have not been doing so good at it.
1: Although they are not doing so well and they're not necessarily being successful, they are continually trying and eventually they may get there. I'd like to ask you, Ken, kind of as my last question here, with Prime Minister Netanyahu returning and he has made no bones about the fact that he views Iran as a very strong threat, do you see a solo Israeli strike against Iran possible in order to stem this threat and stop it before they actually do develop these type of capabilities?
2: Rick, my assessment of Israel's intentions uh, has not really changed, uh, no matter who is in charge in the prime minister's job. Israel, in my belief, in my view, uh, will only take that step of an outright kinetic military strike against Iran if they believe the Iranians are an imminent threat to Israel. Now how they define imminent threat, that remains to be seen.
1: Well, Ken, as always, your experience and your information that you were able to deliver and communicate to our listeners was excellent. We appreciate you doing that on the program today, and we look forward to talking to you again soon.
2: Thanks so much, Rick. It's uh, really always a blessing to be here with you.
0: Another great interview by Ken Timmerman. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, our Middle East News Update with David Dolan, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend.
3: I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. The death of American aid worker Stephen Troll remains under investigation today in Iraq. No group is taking credit for his murder. Gunmen killed Troll as he drove home on Monday evening in Baghdad. Samuel of Redemptive Story says the 45-year-old actively served the Lord in Iraq. This gospel worker leaves behind a wife and four children. Ask the Lord to comfort his wife and children. And pray that foreigners who remain in Iraq doing God's work will have wisdom. In other news, the A Third of Us movement draws attention to the roughly one-third of all people who've never heard the story of Jesus. Children attending a church camp in Honduras learned about this reality and even participated in raising awareness. York Osbacher with Operation Mobilization says they even created their own T-shirts showing three lines with one set apart. The International Day for the Unreached seeks to turn that knowledge into prayer. Mark your calendar for May 28, 2023. Mission Network News, a service of One-Way Ministries on Ruth Kramer.
4: The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Christians in the Last Days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com.
1: Welcome back to Prophecy Today Radio, the program that looks at current events in the light of Bible prophecy. Well, this is our Middle East News Update, and joining us this week, as he typically does, is our good friend, Journalist and author Dave Dolan. Dave, thank you for joining us today.
5: I'm typically glad to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, typically there was an election last week and it was a very big week in Israel, very big win for prime minister to be Netanyahu. Can you talk to us a little bit about how this process is going and what is taking place politically in Israel?
5: Well, really, Rick, it is typical. It's the fifth time, as we've said, in four years that we've had elections and the formation of new governments. Uh, This is the first time, though, that we have a clear outcome, that we have a fairly easy path to the formation of a government, that uh, we're not expecting weeks and weeks of haggling. In fact, the prime minister-designate, And he is expected, Rick, on Sunday to formally get the nod from President Herzog to be the next Prime Minister. He's already met with uh, all but a couple small parties, and uh, 64 have said they want him to be the Prime Minister. That's a majority in the Knesset, so he will get the nod. And he hopes, in fact, we're told to uh, present the new government to the new Knesset next week. So that would be, again, record time of the formation of a government. And Netanyahu, even before getting the official nod, has been meeting with the heads of the other parties that are going to be part of his coalition, the three uh, religious parties that are joining him together, making 64 seats and basically negotiating with with them, getting their demands, which are stronger than they might have been otherwise, because they, as I mentioned last week, the three together uh, have more seats in his new government than the ruling Likud party. Party. The dominant party will have 31 seats, so less than half of those 64. Uh, so they have good bargaining power. The uh, split between the religious parties, though, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit, but it is significant. We have two worlds basically there. We have the ultra-Orthodox Jews represented by The Shas Party, the Sephardic religious party that was a part of uh, the labor governments in the past, has supported the peace process, is more concerned about domestic issues than that sort of thing. Then we have the United Torah Judaism Party, which is the Ashkenazi European Jews, mostly Hasidic Jews, uh, wear black hats and black coats and all of that. They are pretty disinterested in the issue of Judea and Samaria, for instance, and that sort of thing. They too just want, really, frankly, uh, more funding for their sector, their schools, and they have some political demands. They want to definitely want to exempt religious Jews from serving in the army, whereas the National Religious Camp, which, as we said last week, got 14 seats, uh, doubling their uh, previous representation, led by um, two leaders, uh, Basilel Schmuckrich, and by, of course, we've talked about him, um, Ben-Gavir, Mar Ben-Gavir. Both are very nationalistic. These are Orthodox Jews, but not ultra-Orthodox Jews. They wear the kippah, but they don't, uh, usually are not all black clad in that. And they're very much in favor of um, annexation of Judea and Samaria, of building on the Temple Mount and Jews going up to the Temple Mount, whereas the two ultra-Orthodox parties are very strongly opposed to that. The two chief rabbis are opposed, one Sephardic, one Ashkenazi, and there's even a sign at the entrance to the Temple Mount, I'm sure you've seen it, it's been there for some years, forbidding. Jews to go up there, saying this is a sacred site. We don't want to set foot even accidentally on the site of the Holy of Holies. We don't know exactly where that was, so Jews should stay off of that site. And in fact, the Shas chief rabbi in June strongly, mm. uh, frankly, condemned Ben-Gavir. He said, we have these uh, show-offs that want to go up on the Temple Mount and stir trouble up there. And and he said he's a fool because the 100 of The leading rabbis in the country, including the two chief rabbis, have signed a letter forbidding Jews to go up there. And they strongly oppose, um, is the Israeli government or politicians having anything to do with rebuilding a temple uh, up there? Because they say only the Mashiach, the Messiah, when he returns, or when they don't believe returns, but when he comes, appears for the first time in their view... Only then can that issue even be looked at, whereas, of course, Ben Gavir is an activist for not only Jewish prayer on the Temple Mount, but for rebuilding of the temple, the head of the Jewish Strength Party, and the coalition negotiations went on between Netanyahu and these uh, three different blocs, and they gave those issues a priority to him, but especially Ben-Gavir did, and Smotrich. And we have a problem uh, possibly developing here as well, Basilel Smotrich was expected to ask for the finance ministry, which is a very important ministry, of course, because it determines where all the money goes, basically how it's distributed. And we've got to explain to American listeners, especially that these different ministers and ministries are basically small governments within the larger government. They have a lot of authority, a lot of say over what goes on in their fields. And the prime minister basically basically allows them to rule the areas that they're uh, in charge of. Well, he announced that he wants to become defense minister in the new government. Uh, that is, of course, one of the three senior positions in the government. Netanyahu didn't commit either way to that, but he had earlier told his own Likud party members that the three top positions, defense, foreign, and of course the prime minister, would remain under Likud in Likud hands and not uh, any of these smaller parties. And the problem with Smotrich is that um, he was arrested in the Gaza withdrawal in 2005. So he has a criminal record and the U.S. has already expressed much concern about him and Ben-Gavir taking top ministries, uh, indicating that they possibly won't work with those ministries if they are under the control of either of these men. And, of course, the defense ministry is a key um, ally of the United States, a key component in Israel's security and the relations between the U.S. military establishment and the Israeli military military establishment, very strong, as you know, Rick. And so if he becomes defense minister, this could pose a great problem. And the uh, American ambassador to Israel this week indicated that, that this would be very problematic. The two men might not even be allowed to visit the United States because of these criminal charges against them, not charges, these convictions. In earlier um, incidents, Ben Gavir, of course, was charged with racism for holding up was signed in 2007 at a rally that said Expel the Arab enemy He since moderated those positions and made clear that he's only talking about Arab terrorists and not the whole Arab community as he originally was supportive of that. but they're pretty far to the right and it's going to be interesting to see what happens there but Netanyahu is trying to first form the government and then negotiate all of these other issues.
1: The elections were last week, but I feel like the real work of governing and establishing a government has begun in earnest and there is a long way to go there. Well, my final question, uh, and it again pertains to Prime Minister Netanyahu, Uh, he got a call from Erdogan of Turkey. Very interesting. They have a checkered history. What can you tell us about that call and what it means for Israel-Turkey relations going forward?
5: Well, it was very significant, Rick. Yes, it was under um, Netanyahu's uh, rule in 2010 that relations were basically broken with Turkey. They did have good diplomatic relations before that. Uh, Of course, that was due to Erdogan sending a ship, a Turkish ship, to try to break the Israeli blockade of the Gaza Strip, blockading weapons coming in there from Iran mainly. And uh, relations were formally broken, basically, and reestablished formally this year. The president went there in March. The prime minister, Lapid, visited a little later than that. And uh, now Erdogan called Netanyahu to congratulate him. He said, we want ties to remain strong and to continue. So he said nothing about Ben Gavir or whatever. So that was good. And also the United Arab Emirates uh, leader phoned Netanyahu also to congratulate him, also to say we hope relations will remain strong. And uh, he spoke with the leaders of Germany and Italy and others that also congratulated him. So, And he reminded all of them, and he made this statement himself, that I am the leader of this new government. In other words, the final policy decisions will be taken by him. And there's the suggestion, Rick, that Netanyahu may hold the defense ministry for himself just to deflect that issue. But important development, and it's a good sign that the world's not going to fall apart, even if uh, it will be the most right-wing government in Israel's history. There's no doubt about that. But uh, these 14 members of the National Religious Bloc are 14 out of 64. So, you know, they're not the big voice and uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, a new dawn, a new day, and the quickest government that Israel's had formed in a long time, and people, frankly, the Israeli people are thankful just for that fact alone.
1: Well, I'm sure they are, David. Thank you so much for keeping our listeners updated on what is taking place in Israel and the entire Middle East. We look forward to talking to you again soon. You're welcome, Rick. God bless We're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, we're going to talk to R.C. Murrow. Stay tuned right here on Prophecy Today Weekend.
4: Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore, or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr. Along with Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Let me remind you that this weekend I'll be in Painesville, Ohio, at Painesville Baptist Church with Pastor Stoney Drain, uh, teaching the word of God Saturday night, and uh, then on Sunday, three times on Sunday, going over uh, what what I normally like to do is to give people an understanding how to study Bible prophecy I don't want to just give you the fish. I want to teach you how to fish. And that's what I'd like to do when I do a prophecy conference is go through our trio of triplets, the three strands of the human family, the three main prophetic books of the Bible, which would be, of course, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Revelation, and then the three main remaining events on God's timetable, beginning with the rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth after the seven-year tribulation period, And then the Great White Throne Judgment. So I would invite you to come along and be with us. If you hear it on the radio, podcast, wherever you're hearing it, come to the conference. Tell me. Come up. Give me a uh, shake hands with me. Tell me that you listen to us, uh, whether you like us or you don't like us. We would love to hear about it. Uh, That's something that's always important, and uh, we like to know. Uh, At least that we're communicating to people and causing the body of believers to think. Well, on the program this week, I thought it would be very important since we are focusing on uh, America moving forward. Not only America, but the world. What do we do moving forward after the elections? And, you know, so many people... Thought the elections were the end all. We were going to recapture the United States, and certainly it hasn't done that. But we do understand that God uses world leaders to accomplish his will. And uh, today on the program, I thought it would be good to have R.C. Morrow back with us. R.C., welcome to the program again.
6: Great to be back with you, Jimmy.
0: Yes, sir. And uh, your website, prophecytracker.org. Correct?
6: Correct. Prophecytracker.org. I
0: like what it says the world through the lens of prophecy. And I like how you look at that because I want people to have a worldview. I like people to have a biblical worldview as believers. And then of course a prophetic biblical worldview is is really that trumps it all when you think about the aspect of, you know, combining all these things, what the world is doing why the world is acting as, as it is according to God's word from Genesis to Revelation, and then prophetically what's going to take place in the future. And RC, a couple of weeks back, we talked about Bible prophecy and, and you, and I've said this over and over to people, you know, when you know what prophecy is and you work your way backwards, that helps you to understand, for instance, when you, on, and when people go to your website, they're going to see stories that you focus on and you're focusing on situations events that are going to take place in the future and you can only do that if you know what Bible prophecy
6: is laying out for you correct that's absolutely right, Jimmy. You know, we try to, we scour headlines uh, pretty much throughout the day. And, uh, and you know, we, we try to find something that will link us to finding the clues that will take us to mm. a prophetic event. And just these past couple of years have just, the, the the news has just been rich with things that seem to jump right off the page and onto our website because they're, they're just describing prophecy to a T.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. And, and now more than ever believers, churches, um, you know, groups that uh, call themselves followers and they believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven. God gives us instructions on how to live in these last days, which certainly we feel we're getting closer and closer every single moment to that event, the rapture of the church, where God's going to call those that are a part of the body of Christ, the church, He's going to call us home to be with him. And I know people have different ways of looking at Bible prophecy, how the timeline ends up, and we can all agree to disagree. But when you use the proper methods for studying Bible prophecy, it really does help you to you know, determine the times in which you're living. And that's what Daniel did. Daniel, by reading the prophet Jeremiah, understood the times in which he was living. And we can do also the same thing. Well, R.C., I, I tell people often that you are... are financial man, guru, whatever you want to say. uh, You have information pertaining to this, and I exclusively go to you. And I want to know, lately there's been a lot of news this week on the central bank digital currencies. Can you give us an update on that?
6: Yeah, I can, Jimmy. There was a headline in the Economic Times of India earlier this week, and I almost missed this one because – It's a website that I really didn't have on my checklist, but I I managed to find it. And and what I found is the Reserve Bank of India on November 1 began a pilot program. So they went up from just development to pilot on CBDCs. And in one month, they plan to start testing them in retail locations. So that was pretty important news. Mm -hmm. Um, Add to that the new UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, who scrapped plans to move the British embassy to Jerusalem, Uh, Let his complete support for CBDCs be known, which is sure to be a topic at the upcoming G20 nations in Bali this next week. You know, if that's not enough, FTX, a major cryptocurrency exchange, filed for bankruptcy yesterday, leaving investors with massive losses of so far over $700 million, which could be the tip of a very large iceberg that will likely motivate the government to sharply regulate crypto trading further setting the stage for CBDCs. And Jimmy, we have all three of these reports up on our website, prophecytracker.org.
0: RC, you know, when we talk about this, and for instance, if someone's just tuning in today and you're mentioning CBDCs, how does that affect the average person, you know, that's uh, working an eight to five job who's uh, trying to raise his family? How does that affect
6: us? I spoke to a cousin yesterday who I hadn't spoken to in a long time. I was very surprised to learn that he was very much up on CBDCs,
5: mm. and he and he
6: asked me, "What's going to happen with with the cash that I have? I have cash in vault. I have you know just some cash for emergencies." And and I tried to explain to him that what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to turn those those cash paper money dollars in and will be reimbursed likely with an equal amount of of digital tokens that would be guaranteed not by the federal government but guaranteed by the central bank of each participating country that's involved Mm -hmm. this is a very big process and it's it's moves far along now we're moving every every week or two we're starting to see major movements in countries like from from china to russia to 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 britain now to india all i mean I mean, the nations are all moving towards a cashless society, which, which Jimmy, we know from Revelation thirteen, that's exactly what has to happen for uh, for a dictator to be able to control all mm-hmm. finance that takes place in the world.
0: Yes, and that's why we follow this. And and you mentioned uh, the uh, the the nations that are involved. Uh, you call them the brick nations, right? Right. That would be well. They're
6: heavily involved. You know, the BRICS would be would be Brazil, Russia, uh, India. China and South Africa. And there are others that are trying to join with them. As a matter of fact, Saudi Arabia and, mm. and Iran. Now, they're two two fairly enemy nations, but both of them are interested in joining the BRICS. And what makes that so compelling is that China has let it be known that they want to use their digital yuan as a reserve currency and make it a BRICS reserve currency, which if, if even Saudi Arabia joined, would make them the largest oil producers in the world. And then they would be able to manipulate this currency into a second world reserve currency, which would be not good for the United States.
0: Not good for the United States, exactly. And uh, and this is, uh, I mean, I'm just thinking about this. Uh, Brazil just had an election. Uh, We have a a, a new president in Brazil. Do you see anything? Um, Yeah. Are you aware of...
6: uh, Brazil made a left turn. Uh, unfortunately, we went from a Christian uh, president whose whose wife uh, wore a Israel T-shirt to the mm-hmm. election, um, and and we went to a a uh, Lula who who has been known to be a progressive leftist. So he would fit in very well with the BRICS uh, leaders and. Uh, yeah, so that's another danger area that we're looking at now that would further strengthen the BRICS. Yes, and I
0: want to talk about the latest election in the United States, and we focused for the last two weeks. Uh, we had a program in Israel as far as the elections that took place there. We had a pre Uh, election program. We had a post-election program uh, with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, now for a sixth time taking office, leading that nation. We focused on that quite a bit. Uh, I have my thoughts on all of that in the political aspects. And then, of course, we just we focused a tiny bit on the elections in America and I've received some uh, mail we've received mail from people uh, often on a daily basis and we try to respond to everybody but uh, I have one that said I listened to part of your program on wave radio in Jacksonville Florida today I will not listen again because of the noted hypocrisy in your broadcast you're still promoting the sainthood of Don Trump Uh, now I I'm not sure uh Everybody has their own personal, but as a program, we do bring to light when presidents, uh, political leaders are making decisions that move forward the timeline for Bible prophecy. But as far as, you know, putting our stamp of approval, we've given that criteria, the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of life, and how a politician stands on the nation of Israel. So when we give that information, but would you say or and what, what advice would you give? Because I know that this last election, we had the absence of the red wave really surprised everyone this past week, and it was followed by a massive rise in stock prices. But what can you tell us about this massive rise in the stock prices after the elections here in the United States, which, you know, when you look at it, we've been in a downward spiral as far as our finances as a nation? We
6: have since January. Jimmy, and, uh, you know, regarding leaders, you know, whenever I – I try to question, why would God allow this leader or that leader? And I think back to myself. I go back to Daniel 2.21. He appoints the leaders of the nations. And, you know, if you do a, even a, a, a cursory look at, at the books of Kings, you'll see that, that there are times when God will appoint uh, and he will allow evil leaders that will discipline the people mm. for turning against him and for creating idols and for mm. all kinds of reasons. And fascinating reading in Excellent. the book of Kings is how, how, the, how the nation of Israel got divided because of Solomon's disobedience and and, and the kings that followed the, the northern kingdom had evil king after evil king after evil king. So, you know, God appoints these kings for reasons that we may not completely understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Uh, he is so far above us. So we try to dig in and we try to understand how these certain leaders can come into power, and and who they are is really not something we need to be worried about because it's, this is it's God's division, that's God's uh, or- provision. Not he ours. ordained them,
0: right? I mean, he put them in he that place. He ordained them.
6: Yes, he wanted them in there for for his purpose, and and we have to just try to figure out what that is instead of railing against God's decision, you know. But uh, you know, this past week has been uh, fascinating, um, uh, and, and I can tell you that uh, uh, Sunday, two days before. before. Before the election, Joe Biden stunned an awful lot of people by saying there'd be no more drilling. And then he emphasized, he said, there's no more drilling in America. Now, normally that kind of incendiary statement would be said after, not before a critical election, Mm -hmm. which was certain to anger 70 and 80 million voters. You know, what bothered me, Jimmy, was that one day later, one day the first news of a softening of inflation since January created a massive stock market rally that gave the president the opportunity to say he fixed the economy when it was he and the Federal Reserve that broke it. it So, you know, this reminds me of Barack Obama Uh, after the in the financial crisis. They they engineered the Fed to print four trillion dollars in new counterfeit money to buy off the financial crisis while Obama was claiming that he fixed the economy so we you know the sad part of this all is is that because of this election we can expect illegal immigration and massive build back better spending to not just continue but to ramp up we can also because of this election we can also expect to see the godless progressive agenda that has been rubber stamped by voters continue to move forward Um, to me jimmy america is no longer a center-right christian nation after this election Mm,
0: that's a, an interesting phrase. And I again, we are not following a uh, uh, although I do uh, I, using the criteria, I do follow those or, uh, you know, uh, political parties and vote for my candidates who I would vote for uh, how they uh, view uh, marriage, life, and Israel. Uh, that was my father's criteria that he laid down. He taught me that. That's what we have tried to teach people. Uh, and therefore, you don't pick political leaders. But, you know, when you look back, uh, there have been, and we have a great DVD. Uh, uh, this is a shameless plug for a DVD that my father did before he passed away uh, mm-hmm. on the last seven presidents and the decisions that they made that advanced the narrative of Bible prophecy. And one of the things that Donald Trump did, you know, whether you liked him, you hate him, and I I agree with the person that wrote into us, there are churches, and I've I've spoke I've been outspoken on this a lot of times churches get more involved in political events than they do in meeting the needs of what, and what a church is supposed to do is to meet the needs of the community, to meet the needs of one another, to learn, to be educated, to be edified, and then to go out to share that message. And most times people are not going to listen to you unless you're helping meet their needs. And then you share the gospel message, but that's imperative. But, uh, this, Uh, person that wrote into us said that there are churches that are uh, looking as Donald Trump as their spiritual leader and even setting himself up, in their words, as the Pope. I don't think that that's taking place, but I do think that there are churches and there are people that liked what Donald Trump did. And uh, what would you say to people that, uh, especially when you look at let's just put Donald Trump and Joe Biden next to one another and the decisions that they have made over the years. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but just briefly, what, I mean, Donald Trump did a lot of great things. In fact, one of the best things that he did was recognizing that Jerusalem was the capital, the rightful capital of the Jewish people in the state of Israel.
6: Absolutely. Uh, You know, Jimmy, it's it's really, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to, to just take aside when we know who appointed the leader.
5: Right. So I
6: think what we have to do is really just focus on how do we fit this together into the future? How do we see this playing out in Bible prophecy? Because we have so many clues to track and so many things to follow. It's really not about promoting a leader. It's about, uh, it's about trying to figure out how that leader is going to affect where we're going, mm. When we know where we're going because we know that prophecy is 100% perfect all of the time, Mm -hmm. 100% perfect. So therefore, we know that we have this destiny. We know where we're going. We know where this is going to end up. And how is this particular leader going to affect that? Is he going to be against it is he going to be promoting for it you know so so this is all, this is like detective work in a way we take what we know and we try to fit it into the narrative and see where it's going to take us
0: yes i i
6: i i, I find an old hymn appropriate here where it says keep your eyes upon jesus oh, you yes. know he gave us a sure and perfect word of prophecy makes up over 27 percent of his word and 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 if we just simply follow that it's going to lead us to a just a beautiful wonderful glorious conclusion yes
0: and i appreciate the letter that this person sent in i don't ever want to put anybody that uh you know um any man pastor or anybody or a, polit- a politician up uh, and if they don't agree with the very principles of what's found in God's word, you know, we don't, I don't lift up those people, but we do follow the decisions that they make because uh, if it's a politician, he's deciding what we do in our everyday life. It's a pastor uh, and there are, there are pastors out there that want to control people's lives and, and they could be just as bad as politicians, unfortunately. And I know, uh, I'll probably receive some letters on this. How can you attack pastors? But you know, uh, scripture talks about the shepherd and how they will be held high. There's a higher accountability by God, not by me. If you're in a church and or you're in a place where you don't like the pastor or he's making decisions, then I would encourage you to leave and to get to a church that follows and, uh, looks properly at the word of God. Uh, Let me ask you a quick question then, R.C., where in the future, if you're looking future towards what America and what the world is doing, whether it's Brazil, Israel, uh, England, uh, the European Union countries that are involved in the EU, uh, when we look at decisions that they're making, where do you see the future going uh, as far as each one of the world leaders that are being put into place now?
6: Well, you know, I, I, I an old pastor that I've listened to for years says that prophecy casts its shadow backward. Mm. So again, what we're seeing, we're starting to see things that that uh, we're starting to see prophecies that are that are very clearly outlined in Matthew 24. The, the beginning uh, of the mm-hmm. birth pains. And we're not quite there yet because the church is still on earth. But once the church is removed, we're going to see those. Jesus gave us a step by step in Matthew. After the destruction of the temple, it, from there on out, he gave us a step by step uh, play by play is what's going to happen to the world during that period, during that seven year period of time. We can see both halves of the tribulation right there in Matthew 24 and 25. So I think what we what we have now is we just, again, we walk Watch and we watch as things develop, and we try to fit them into where we think of what, what where God says what 's going to happen yeah,
0: so r c what are we to do with all of this? I know that we are to wait to see how should we live our lives
6: you know we just as I said a minute ago, we keep our eyes upon Jesus because he has it all in his hands, and it 's just up to us to try to discern when it will take place
0: mm. I like that, you know, and and we all have a responsibility. Our first responsibility is to give glory and honor to God, the Father in heaven, and how we live our lives as believers. I I truly believe that in, in the work world, in your family life, in your community, uh, people are not going to listen to you. And then the second, a byproduct of giving glory to God and for all that he has done and how we live our lives, a byproduct of God sending his son to die for us. That anybody that believes on that shall not perish but have eternal life. A byproduct of that is telling others about the only way to heaven. And it's not by being good. It's not by doing all the good things that you want. It is by believing that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That's why I like to have RC Morrow on with us. He's practical, he's uh, he's very smart, he's very intelligent. He fi- follows the financial world for us, keeps us aware. Go to his website prophecytracker.org. And uh, RC, please continue doing what you're doing to keep us aware of what, you know, for some of us is a scary aspect. That financial, the stock market, all of those things, uh, you know, will we have money and how and what we how we are to prepare. But uh, thank you for doing that, and keep on keeping on.
6: Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on, and God bless you and our listeners.
0: R.C. Murrell always gives us information financially as it pertains to Bible prophecy and the system that the Antichrist will implement at the midway point of the tribulation period, the uh, mark of the beast, if you will, and that he will put into place. But, Rick, as we continue on, I I, I, I want to— finish out this letter because I I thought it's important and we always read our Emails that come in to us. We get letters, both good and bad, giving us a lot of credit, thanking us for what we're doing, helping people to understand. But let me finish this, Rick, this letter, because it says it seems like your program is more stronger, touts a political agenda than God's truth. Please prove me wrong by hiring a reputable, independent, non political examiner of the body of your prophecy interpretations for accuracy. If the examiner proves me wrong, it's fine. But if he proves you wrong, please listen. Thank you for your time. And Rick, you know, you and I both have an understanding of Bible prophecy. That's why we pick the stories that we pick. That's why we cover the events
1: in the light of God's prophetic word. But in your thought, is that correct? Well, it certainly is, Jimmy, and I would like to say that I am sensitive to this listener. I, we do not want to be a political program necessarily. We want to look at the political because it's setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. I remember the last presidential election. I remember by the pastor standing up in the pulpit and this, you know, the Republicans are not going to fix our problems. The Democrats are not going to fix our problems. It's going to be faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what we want to try to be. We want to try to be God-focused— God-centered, and we want to look at Scripture. We are looking at the political because as we look at Scripture, uh, it gives us encouragement that God's plan is coming about, correct? It sure does. And that's what R.C. said, exactly.
0: But uh, yes, as you do this, uh, you can't be upset because the person that is in charge is ordained by God, and God placed them there. I always um, encourage people to pray for our leaders Uh, I know when whoever gets in and the people are upset one one way or another, and that does happen, you have to think that God placed this person there because he wants to accomplish his will. We shouldn't use the government to do our work as believers. The church needs to do that work. We are in the, I would say, the ministry uh, as a church, as a body of Christ to meet the needs of people, meet their needs and tell them. That first need that they need to be met is the one that Jesus Christ is their Savior, that he died for their sins, that they need a Savior. They need a way to have a restored relationship with God. And that was provided through the death of Jesus Christ.
1: Jimmy, let me just say something, and I'd like to hear your comment on this, but just to set the listener's mind at ease, we are not building the kingdom here. The Bible says that the world is only going to get worse. Um, we are participating in government because as we've talked about many times already on this program, God ordains government and we are, have a duty, have a responsibility to have input into that government. But, and I see it all the time, you know, on Twitter, on different things that I see in the Christian community, people are saying, well, we need to build the kingdom. We need to, uh, Mm. you know, usher in a new kingdom. We need to elect the right people. no. We need to do what God has explained to us. We're not building the kingdom. God builds the kingdom, correct?
0: Exactly right. And there's the kingdom of heaven, which we are adding to the kingdom of heaven when we share with people and someone comes to know the Lord as their personal Savior. They're added to the kingdom of heaven. But there is a future kingdom on the earth. Clearly, it's laid out. First mentioned in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, that a kingdom would be given to the Messiah, God's son. Jesus Christ came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, but then he took it away. He stopped preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and that's what he was doing to the Jewish people. In the future, there'll be a 1,000 year period of time where the gospel of the kingdom will be preached and we'll be living in that kingdom here on the earth, but we will be a part of the body of Christ. The kingdom on the earth, that millennial kingdom in the future, that 1,000 year period of time, That is the time when Jesus Christ, truly a theocracy, will be on the earth, while Jesus Christ will rule and reign in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Revelation chapter 20 talks about these events. Revelation chapter 19, when Christ comes back to the earth, uh, we we see many aspects of the future kingdom on this earth, and that's the kingdom that will only survive and will only exist because Jesus Christ is the king on this earth. Well, Rick, I know that we've got uh, more to cover today. We have our Legacy Series coming up, and I want to be able to focus on that. But I, I do think it's important that as we move forward, we need to focus on what God's Word says and not what politicians say or building a political kingdom on this earth. We need to move forward understanding what God's program is for the future. But well, we're going to have to take a break. And when we come back, the Legacy Series with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, he'll be talking about the judgment seat of Christ. The next thing to happen after the rapture of the church, we'll be standing before Christ to give an account as to how we lived our life. That's coming up right here on Prophecy Today weekend. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr. Along with Rick, we've been looking at current events in the light of God's prophetic word. You know, Rick, uh, there's a new project that we have coming out, and I think it is very timely considering the world in which we live right now.
1: Sure is, Jimmy. It's a project that was an extension of other projects that we had done, one with the late Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, is uh, Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy, where we looked at how the seven previous modern U.S. presidents had put events into place that had been setting the stage for prophecy to be fulfilled. And then we also had the follow-up to that, Is the USA in Bible Prophecy? And essentially, is our most asked question. Well, we have a new project coming out. It's the last thing we did with our father, and it's called The Demise of America. The demise of America means what's going to happen if, he, if the United States is not in Bible prophecy, what happens to the United States? It's a project that we're very excited about, and next week, Jimmy, I'd like to focus on that. We're going to talk about it maybe on the program next week, and we're going to offer it as a DVD. We, uh, we feel like it shares a timely message. As you said, all these things taking place in the world right now, this DVD will share a timely message, and as all of our DVDs do, we end up with the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: Yes, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, longtime listeners of the program will have Colonel Bob McGinnis on it, uh, Dave James, Ken Timmerman, and we'll be focusing on China, Russia, Islam, all of these things that uh, are very pertinent to the time in which we're living. Well, today, Rick, as we move on to our legacy series, we're going to focus on the judgment seat of Christ. It's a new series that we started. We're looking at the events of Bible prophecy and the judgment seat of Christ. Paul talked about it. In 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about the judgment seat of Christ. Today, we're going to focus on the procedure of the judgment seat of Christ and what takes place right after the rapture of the church. Today, we want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in your Bible as Dr. Jimmy DeYoung continues his series on the judgment seat of Christ.
7: At the instant that we are raptured out of here, in the moment immediately at the twinkling of an eye at the last trump we will be caught up to be with him we will stand before jesus christ and this judgment seat of Christ will take place. Now, I'm not sure how you approach that, but it's an awesome thought for me to consider, have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and Jesus Christ and give account for what I've done, which is what the text says we're gonna have to do. It's not to determine whether I'm lost or saved, that is determined already because I would never stand at the judgment seat of Christ unless I was saved. I would be standing if I was a lost person at the great white throne judgment. But all Christians stand at the judgment seat of christ to be judged for the works we do go here to chapter 3 of first corinthians and it gives us somewhat of a procedure as to how the judgment seat of christ will take place starting in verse 12 but if any man built upon this foundation verse 11 says jesus christ is the foundation so if any man would build upon this foundation gold silver or precious stones wood hay or stubble every man's works shall be made manifest for the They shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and fire shall try every man's works of what sort they are by the way we don't work of course to come to know christ as lord and savior but because we do know christ as lord and savior ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 see 8 and 9 says we're saved by grace through faith not of works lest any man should boast but then verse 10 of ephesians chapter 2 said created unto good works once we know christ is lord and savior we do work created unto good works all of these works are going to be judged so as by fire verse 14 if any man's works abides which he hath built thereupon he shall receive a reward But notice the next verse, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer lost, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You don't lose salvation because you didn't do a lot of works. You lose reward for the works that you should have been doing because that is God's law of christ there is a law of christ we're not talking about the ten commandments we're talking about those things written in god's word that he has for us to do once we come to know christ and why we do it is because christ lives in us not because we're trying to be more spiritual not because we're trying to gain salvation we do it because it's within us to do it and then those things that we do in his power and for his glory we receive rewards for those things we do in our power for our own glory we suffer loss for let me illustrate he says there are gold silver and precious stones works there wood hay and stubble works those are two types of works the gold silver and precious stones works are put on one pedestal the other wood hay and stubble works are put on another these works are dropped into the fire When you drop wood, hay, and stubble into the fire, they're totally consumed. When you drop gold, silver, and precious stones into the fire, it's purified. And when these pedestals come out, this one's empty. This has purified gold, silver, and precious stones. The gold, silver, and precious stones works are works that we do in his power because he has empowered us. And we do it for his glory, not receiving any complimentary words from anybody about what we've done I've noticed in churches where I travel and I'm in a church you know almost every day of the year preaching I've noticed how pastors today are using compliments to make their church work and if they don't use the compliments the church doesn't work oh brother Jones you cleaned up the fellowship hall so we can have oh god bless you sir that was so wonderful god bless you oh mrs smith what a wonderful job at the piano you were so marvelous and if he doesn't say that mrs smith bought the piano so she takes it home and you don't have any more music <laughs> you know, we're building the body on compliments those are the wood hey, hand stubble works works we do in our own power for our own glory He doesn't need my works. He wants that which he empowers me to do. Availability is all he wants, not my great ability. He wants these works that he empowers us to do, and we do it for his glory. If nobody ever, ever says a word about it, we do them for his glory. And we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and that's what happens and you know what at that judgment seat of christ we get a prize we get a very interesting prize go back to chapter 19 of the book of revelation just a moment and look at verse 8 remember the bride to be is to go to prepare her garments what's going on with the groom to be he's preparing the mansion now notice here in verse 8 Revelation 19 8 and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. What's the first prize that we receive from the judgment seat of Christ? We receive our wedding garment. How do we know if our works were righteous acts only when they have been judged by Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ? At that point in time, he judges everything that was a righteous act. done in his power, for his glory. You receive a reward. You receive a lovely garment. I tell you the truth. I do not want to stand in that wedding time wearing a mini skirt. <laughs> I hope I'm wearing a long flowing white gown. And so when my groom-to-be sees me, he says, Wow, look at that beautiful bride. All dressed up. There's nothing wrong with that ambition the apostle paul also in second corinthians chapter 5 said i am ambitious to have a wonderful time at the judgment seat of christ i'm ambitious that's the first reward we get we get a beautiful wedding garment second thing we get get your pins out i want you to write these down we'll not look at them but i want you to write these down We receive five crowns at the judgment seat of Christ. Five crowns. Here's the first one. The crown incorruptible, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. A crown incorruptible. Now, what's that crown for? For braining our bodies under subjection. A crown incorruptible, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. That's the first crown we receive. The second crown is a crown of rejoicing. That would be First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, where Paul says, What? Are ye not my crown of rejoicing? He's talking to the people from Thessaloniki who, what? Had just been saved three weeks earlier, and he's the one that led them to the Lord. So you receive a crown of rejoicing for being a soul winner, for winning people to Jesus Christ the exhortation is there we must go forth to win people to jesus christ we don't have to pray about that that's an automatic given and so in order to be obedient to the lord we do that and we receive a crown of righteousness excuse me, a crown of rejoicing uh, for winning people to jesus christ the third crown is james chapter 1 and verse 12. james chapter 1 and verse 12. It is a crown of life for yielding not to temptation. Now, temptation is not a sin. Where it becomes sin is when we yield to temptation. And the word of God has given us the way to be able to stand up against temptation. But if you stand and do not yield to temptation, you will receive a crown of life that's the third crown the fourth crown is first Peter chapter 5 verses 1 to 5 and that is a crown of glory and we receive a crown of glory for helping the body to grow mentoring would be a fabulous way to get that crown of glory older people you and i both men and women have the responsibility of mentoring you ladies should be mentoring every single young wife and mother in your church you ought to be the example you ought to be helping her to learn how to be a wife you've got years of experience she needs to be brought into you and your fellowship and you mentor her and you men ought to be teaching the young men of your church who are husbands and fathers how to be a husband and a father and in order to do that you follow the dictates of the word of god number one and then number two you receive a crown of glory the fourth excuse me the fifth crown that you receive is a crown of righteousness the apostle paul second timothy chapter four said i ran the race i fought the fight i kept the faith i finished the course then in verse 8 he said laid up for me is a crown of righteousness but not for me only but for everyone who loves his appearing now I want you to know this dear folks this week in my sessions I've been doing everything I possibly can to help you get that crown of righteousness I've been trying to encourage you to help you to understand the times in which we're living you never can love the appearing eagerly awaiting his shout for us to call be called up into the heavenlies with him unless you understand what's going on prophetically from the word of god and then applying that to all current events out there looking at the current events in light of bible prophecy If you're doing that, you would have to say with me, we are quickly approaching the time when Jesus Christ is going to call us up to be with him. There's nobody that can deny that that if you look at the word of God and realize the world in which we're living. It's an absolute. Therefore, that should cause you to hunger for Jesus Christ to shout to call us up to be with him. And if you do that, you will receive a crown of righteousness. All of these crowns can be given to us at the judgment seat of Christ. A crown incorruptible for braining our bodies under subjection. A crown of rejoicing for being a soul winner. A crown of life for not yielding to temptation. A crown of glory for helping build the body of Christ. And a crown of righteousness because we love the appearing of our wonderful Savior Jesus Christ We all should strive to receive all of these crowns at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is an awesome time yet in the future. It happens right after the rapture, in the next moment. Since the rapture can happen at any moment, we must make sure that we're ready for the judgment seat of Christ as well. Next week on the broadcast, we'll find out what we do with all of these crowns and what they mean to us in eternity future. This study will be a real blessing to you. Please
8: join us next week. Todd Morris for Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. The Lebanese president has ended his term, but parliament has yet to pick a replacement. Some fear the power vacuum could delay promised help from the International Monetary Fund. Wassam Nasrallah with LSCSD says the lack of a functioning government makes the situation even worse. The ministry provides education for kids who otherwise wouldn't have access to it. Please pray the care of Lebanese Christians would point to Jesus. Today is Veterans Day in the United States, a national holiday honoring people who've served in the military. Veterans gain crucial skills from their military involvement. Unfortunately, some experiences, especially combat, leave veterans with invisible scars. Christ offers the healing veterans need. However, that healing often lies out of reach at the local church. That's where Warriors Set Free, a division of Set Free Ministries, comes in. Learn more at missionnews.org, a service of One Way Ministries.
4: Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the Shepherd's Field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr. And along with Rick, we've been looking at the events of Bible prophecy. We've been looking at the events of the world through the lens of Bible prophecy. And I'm telling that Rick from R.C. Merle's website because he looks at the events of the world through the lens of Bible prophecy. And I think that is so good because really that helps us to understand why the world is acting as it is. And uh, this program basically was looking at moving forward after we went through the elections uh, uh, and what's going to take place in the future, not only here in America, but around the world as events are unfolding
1: yeah that's right, Jimmy. and if we look at it we especially the elections that took place in Israel, and we mentioned it when we talked with Dave Dolan, the elections take place they they announce who's going to set up the government, and then it takes a while for that mm-hmm. to happen. but it certainly seems like uh many uh elements that are going to go into this new government, whether it be uh talking about the settlements or the quote-unquote settlements, the area uh, that we call Judea and Samaria, the world calls the West Bank, or of course the Temple Mount, the most sacred piece of real estate in all the world. These are central factors in this new government, and so we're going to continue to follow that uh, in the coming weeks as this new government is formed and these Uh, items that are going to play a huge role in God's prophetic scenario, these items are going to be on the table in the next weeks in Israel's government, aren't they? They sure are.
0: And that's what's exciting, because when we see this, when we watch this, the focus of Israel now, it seems like the left lost ground in Israel And when we talk about the right, the right would be the religious right and the coalitions that are coming together to form their system of the government. They have a parliamentary system, so they have to form uh, a coalition. And and Dave talked about that quite a bit in his update on the Middle East. When we talk about that and we see that, really the focus of the government, like you said, is the Temple Mount and these settlements in the West Bank or Judea and Samaria, as we like to refer to it. And that is prophetic. I mean, Israel is branching out there. They understand the borders of what God has given them. Today, they have 10% of that land that God has promised to them forever. Those borders of that land would be the Euphrates in Iraq, the Nile River in Egypt, three quarters of Saudi Arabia to the south and all the way to the north of Lebanon. And as the Jewish people are moving into areas and establishing cities, that is a very much a focal point. You know, Rick, we know many Israelis because we have been working there for so long. We know many Jewish people and we know many Arab people in the land, Arab believers, and we know Muslim Arabs. So as we're there, You know, we see these things taking place. We understand the complicated process of it, but we do see and we understand God's program for the nation of Israel as it's moving forward. We're seeing it getting closer and closer to rebuild the temple, to establish the temple practices, which are talked about in Daniel chapter 9, that are talked about in Matthew chapter 24, uh, that there needs to be a temple standing there. So, Anytime that we focus on these things, we're continually helping people to understand what is taking place in the land of Israel. And I think that was a very timely uh, conversation. And again, we're, you know, it seems like we've been covering it for the last 20 years. Remember on God's timetable, this is only a short amount of time for some of us. People are like, stop focusing on the temple, but uh, it's coming to fruition. And, God moves in his timetable. I remember, and I know that you remember this, Rick, uh, one of our DVDs about the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, Nachman Kahana, who was the man that was fitted for the first garment with the high priest. He says, I feel like I will see the temple in my, in my mm-hmm. lifetime. And he said, you know, God works in lurches. Sometimes, and and I would like to say this, sometimes we feel like we're moving ahead Uh, an inch or so at a time, but then sometimes we leap forward, and it seems like we've jumped ahead a mile or so, getting closer to the rapture of the church,
1: and that's where I feel like we are now. Well, certainly so, Jimmy, and I can definitely see when you're saying God works and lurches, but sometimes also, especially when it comes to this election season, sometimes it seems like it's uh, one step forward and two steps backwards. Uh, Elections are... filled with anxiety. And I know, Jimmy, your wife is involved politically, and you've been involved in many uh, election competitions. And of course, Dad ran for Congress. And so we that's been a part of our deal, and it and it creates anxiety. Well, I wanted you to speak, and if you could for our listeners, I wanted you to speak. When you get anxious, when you get starting to worry about what uh, what's going on in the world, what's taking place, what's the direction of our country, or what's the direction in Israel, what are we as Christians supposed to do because I used to have an old boss and he would talk about he was an old football player and he said when things get crazy what do you do you block and tackle block and tackle that's all football was well as Christians what do we do as Christians when do we go back to basics we get to anxious but now we want to move forward What are we as Christians to do moving forward?
0: Well, I think the comfortable thing, and I like that block and tackle, those are the basics, right? Mm -hmm. The basics for us is what we've talked about. Um, Giving glory to God in everything that we do, how we live our lives. A byproduct of that is telling others about God's gift of eternal life. A way to have a restored relationship with God was through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, whom God sent his son to do that. And so as we do that, you know, those are the things that we focus on. That's the important things, keeping eternity's values in view. That's the important thing as we are focusing on the future. And that really was, as we were talking about the procedure of the judgment seat of Christ, everything that we do on this earth, we will be judged as believers. Did we work For the Lord, or were we working to elect political figures to office? In this time in which we're living, we need to keep in mind that all that we do needs to be in mind. What does God have for each and every single one of us to do? What areas can you affect your world for eternity? We make decisions. What decisions do we make every day that affect eternity? How we live our lives and how we share that message. We are to be ambassadors of heaven. We are those ambassadors. We are here on this earth until the rapture of the church takes place and takes us home to be with him. Well, Rick, uh, we'll cover again next week. I'm looking forward to focusing on The Demise of America, a new DVD project, the very last thing that we did with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. Until next week, Rick, I would just say let's keep continuing to affect the world around us by looking up for the rapture of the church
4: to take place. Let's keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.